0: When you take your geography class, if you remember your geography class, you were told that there were seven continents. There was one supercontinent at one time, Pangaea, and the largest continent in the world is Asia, largest mountains, highest mountains in the world. And following that is the African continent, a continent that consists of 50 plus nations, has many different adjectives and monikers that describe The continent it's been called the dark continent because of the color of the people on the continent but also because of the unknown about the continent and we could really say that the amount of unknown that we have about the continent of africa while it's less today it's still a very unknown place specifically because we don't want to know we live in a world where we just accept what other people say based on whatever uh, credential they may have whether the credential is valid or not whether their opinion is valid or not well I decided that I wanted to make the time to know about the continent from firsthand accounts primary sources so I started a series with a couple of people that I've had the opportunity to meet that have lived and were born on the continent, the African continent. So today's episode is going to focus on specifically Egypt, Nigeria, and Ghana. You're going to get insights and information from people who have firsthand accounts about the biases and other things that exist about Africa. Now, the thing that you have to understand, number one, is very important to me, is that Africa is a continent instead of a country so it's far from monolithic and it's important to understand that so we can respect what's there and who's there now again talking about that supercontinent Pangaea the Africans that I will have the opportunity to converse with today are specifically in the country of Colombia and so if you know about Pangaea you know that Africa the continent and the south american continent were once attached to each other and so there is a kinship there's a relationship there is a a familial tie so to speak between the two i believe not only through the slave trade but also just historically geographically topographically so while i know i went a little wordy for this and i'm saying it in the intro I do want you to understand that this is an important conversation to me and I think it'll be an important conversation for you. So definitely reach out to the people in the conversation because they're open to talk and learn more about Africa, the continent. Let's go. And today on Voices, this is one that is in my blood. It's in the roots of who I am uh today the focus is on the continent now when i say the continent some people can be confused but the people that are in the know know when i talk about the continent i'm talking about the continent of africa and i've been fortunate enough in my travels abroad to meet many people from the continent who have given me various uh ideas information and input about what the continent offers and why it's one of the richest places in the world so today, today joining me is Max and Ibrahim. Now these guys are fantastic guys. I've known them for a couple of years now and I'm appreciative of them. So I wanted them to contribute and let the world know, to let the listeners know what Africa, the continent has to offer and specifically talk about their country and sort of their connection of their country to where they are right now. So uh, no person can introduce themselves like themselves. So uh, Ibrahim, I'll have you introduce yourself first and followed by Max. So welcome, gentlemen.
1: All right, thank you very much, man. Uh, Really appreciate you having me uh, on your podcast and everything, and it's a really good opportunity to talk about Africa. So definitely you're right. Africa is very diverse. Africa is 54 countries. Personally, um, let me start. My name is Ibrahim, just like you said. And Africa is 54 countries. I am from Egypt, which is the in the northeast corner of Africa. Okay. And it is basically an Arab-speaking country, Muslim majority. All right. With about 20 to 22%, I think, Christian. All right. Um, we are basically between the Middle East and Africa. Obviously, we are An African country, but a lot of people think Egypt. Oh, that's the Middle East and they think this is a whole different region and they don't connect that The Middle East is basically MENA region, which is Middle East North Africa, right? So there are there are Egypt, Libya, you know, Algeria, Tunisia and Morocco in the north of Africa that are also Arab country Middle Eastern countries and the connect between the Middle East or the Arab countries and Africa is very very deep rooted because before we were arab we were always african so a lot of people forget that so uh let me just uh, uh start with that uh piece of information and then we will continue after max introduces himself
0: that's awesome go ahead max
2: oh man thank you um and um thank you for your, your opportunity also to um be part of this podcast um like you said my name is Max uh, you can call me Max for short And uh, I'm from Ghana. And um, as you may know, Ghana is like, it's a very small country in Africa. And it's been part of the African history and the African struggle throughout um, the centuries, you know? And um, Ghana was basically the first Sub-Saharan African country to to gain independence you know from from the british and um i don't know if you're aware uh when the europeans came to africa they started colonizing most of the countries so we became different in terms of language in terms of um, culture and um every country is a bit different um and like my friend said um we got 54 countries in this continent and um I'm from the western part and uh the western part is made up of 16 countries right and i hear a lot of people referring to africa as the country that's like a big big continent right and um it's one of the fastest growing continent too in the world but you know sometimes when you listen to the news or you watch what's going on in on um, on the international scene they portray africa as um the poorest continent, and um, the continent with a lot of diseases, a lot, a lot of, I mean, wars going on. But when you get to the relatives on the ground, you realize that it's absolutely different. These are like really good people. These are like people living their best lives, though we have struggles. But we we have that kind of positive uh, positivity. And uh, Ghana has been part of the African history. Um, Maybe subsequent um, talks, we're gonna talk about the political struggle of of the different African countries, especially the um, Ghana. And um, we led the struggle for independence. And uh, we also helped other African nations to to gain their independence as well. Um, Like I said, we had our independence in 1957. And, you know, the British were literally controlling everything. Um, they controlled the schools, they controlled the economic systems, they controlled the economy. So everything was basically managed by, by the British. But when, when the people became conscious of, of, of how powerful they can be by mobilizing, they actually started you know, fighting for, for what belongs to them. So, um, yeah, that's what I can say for now. And uh, I'll wait for your question so I can answer more.
0: <laughs> oh, you're good, man, and I think it's it's excellent because uh, one of the things that I think is as important is this this uh, perception that Africa is one thing, and especially since, and I'm being honest, uh, uh, like when they talk about like race, right? I'm I'm an American, right? My father's Jamaican and right. they talk about race and they talk about things along the lines of being black enough. Like, I don't know if you've paid any attention to sort of US politics, but right. uh, for instance, uh, there there's, there's sound bites where people say, for instance, the lady that has been nominated for the Democratic uh, vice, pen- vice presidential uh, uh, yeah. spot for right. the Democrats, uh, Senator Harris, for her, uh, they said, well, she's not even really like black. And I'm like, I just look at it because what I, I think, and I'm being honest, being a Black American, I think that because the world is so westernized and the most sort of public, public in front of the camera people are Black Americans, that they think, and, and uh, this is, again, just my generalized idea, but Black Americans think they own Blackness. <laughs> and it's just, it's yeah. funny because they call themselves African Americans. And uh, I don't know if this is considered sort of um a thing that is uh, taboo, because I'm not insulting my people at all. I'm American and I'm proud to be American. But uh, African-American is a misnomer for one, because many of the Americans that are in uh, the United States, they don't have any roots. And I don't mean it to be insulting, but they don't have roots, their roots is slavery. And that it's it's, it's sort of a, a hodgepodge of just stuff thrown together where, yeah, you know your people are from Africa, but where? right and then then you have this whole uh what is that ancestry.com to tell you where you're from but they, they don't know so uh i say all that to say because i want you all to help with the clarification because you know and so the first thing i want to know from you guys and um is what inspired you to come to Columbia. But before I do that, uh, Anthony just jumped in the, the call and I'm appreciative of it. So Anthony, I'm gonna give you uh, the mo- a moment to introduce yourself. So uh, Ibrahim introduced himself and Max introduced himself. So I welcome you and I'll give you a moment to just give you a, a short introduction uh, of yourself and then we'll go into that first question. All
3: right, guys. Good afternoon to everyone. Good
1: afternoon.
3: Yeah, I'm Anthony. I'm also from Ghana. I've been here for almost five years. Yeah, I think I came a year after uh, Louis. And we also met at the one of the, what do you call it, orientations. Yeah, man, yeah. Yeah, currently I'm living in Pasto, like working in one of the universities around here. And I think this is a pretty good meeting that we can actually share some ideas and other stuff. So I'm, I'm sure am are in right now.
0: Oh, I'm excited, man. And so, uh, so the question for my first question specifically, and well, I'll actually lead off with Anthony, you kind of uh, alluded to it. So we'll start with that. So you all um, told me where you're from, but what inspired you to come to Colombia? Because I mean, if we go back to Pangaea, Africa and Colombia was connected. And so technically, yeah. we the, the continents were connected, so they might be sort of like, way back connections, but what was your inspiration to come here? So I'll have Anthony go first, followed by Max, and then Ibrahim.
3: Okay, great. So personally, I, I actually finished my university education in 2015. And after that, I actually worked for a couple of six months in like the Ministry of uh, Agriculture in my country. Before a friend of mine told me there was this opportunity to come to Colombia and actually teaching. I was like, it sounds good to me. So I actually took it and applied for it. And the, the, the main motivation for applying was actually to travel outside, like to have a feel of how it is, because the world is big, you know. You don't have to be born in one place and die in the same place without knowing anything about the other part of the world. So that was my principal, like, motivation, like to go out, and explore other parts of the world, like different cultures, because Latin America, I've read a lot about it, but I haven't really experienced it. So I, I feel like, okay, this opportunity for me to use to explore like the other continent. I applied for for the clinician and I got it. And actually when I was coming, my parents didn't like I, I accept the idea of me going to Colombia. They were thinking Colombia is one of the most dangerous countries in Latin America, you know. Yeah, because of Yeah, because of stuff like the cocaine, the like those cartels and stuff, and the paramilitary stuff. Like they have like pretty bad history when it comes to like war and violence. So my parents did actually uh, allow me, but I was like, okay, life is adventurous. If you don't want to adventure, if you don't want to feel it, then what are you in for? You just want to stay in one place and die in the same place without knowing other parts of the world. So I managed to convince them and they were like, okay, your life. After all, back in home, like my parents are really conservative about like the kind of things and decisions you make in your in your life. Because they always influence our life and decisions that we make for our future, you know. So I managed to actually convince them and here I am. The first, the first time I actually came here, it was a bit like mixed feeling because At that time, I couldn't even speak any Spanish, not even, like, (laughs) como (laughs) esta. No just bro. (laughs) Seriously, I have to be walking around with my phone and stuff. But we managed to at least overcome all the cultural differences and, like, communication barriers and stuff. So it's five years, and we are still in Colombia enjoying the goodies of the country. And I really appreciate every moment. Cool.
0: And Max, what about you, man?
2: Man, I, I think it's, I had the same similar experience. Like Anthony, um, I came on a, on a SENA project. CENA uh, is basically one of the uh, vocational institutions in Colombia. So I think at the time, the Colombian government had this bilingual project to actually make the country bilingual. So they actually sought for the help of um, um, native speakers but they wanted to have that kind of international beauty. So they included people from all parts of the world. So, um, you know, in Africa, especially in Ghana, like after your university education, you you have to do like a one year mandatory service for the government. Because the reason being that when we're in school, um, when you go to public university, the government actually subsidizes your fees. So is sort of like a payback to the government. So we have to do that one year national service and um, you get some kind of allowance for that, but it's not like uh, something you can live on for a long time. So I did that service and um, I saw that opportunity of coming to Colombia to teach. And um, actually I had some other options, but you know, um, the option from Colombia actually caught my attention. And I applied for it. I had it. I had admission. They sent me my documents to apply for the visa and all that. And then bingo, everything was set to go. But, you know, like he said, you know, most of our parents in Africa, they influence our decisions. And um, like we were brought up to actually listen to our parents. Like when they say yes, sometimes they even decide the kind of uh, woman you have to marry. You know? okay. so, yeah, <laughs> that level where, Like you might not even know the family. You, you might be at home. They bring, Oh, you have to marry from this <laughs> family. So, or you That's have to you marry mean. from that tribe. So, um, yeah. So when, when the offer came, I really wanted to, but they were like, nah, it's, it's a dangerous country. We wouldn't allow mm-hmm. you to go. And, um, I had to convince them i told them like it's an educational project it's not like i'm gonna deal in drugs or i'm gonna deal with any kind of um inappropriate activity so um at the time my uncle actually works for the un but he was based in australia but he comes down every christmas for holidays so i actually showed him all the documents and he went through with me and then he actually decided to convince my parents that, yo, know, it, it's something legit, so they can just give me the green light. So with that being said, um, my key motivation coming to Colombia was, I felt like I needed um, some platform to show who I am, you know, not just um, as a Black person in Africa, but I can also have that platform where I can contribute my coder quarter- and prove to people that there is something great in, in, in being Black or coming from Africa. And also, I wanted to actually have that opportunity where I can represent my country wherever I go. And I feel like coming to Colombia was going to give me that platform or that leverage where I can speak for myself and also stand for my country. Because um, a lot of people have so many doubts. And I feel like sometimes in our life seeing is believing so when you come into contact with a person one-on-one you can actually ask all the questions and you can get the information from first hand and i can clear all those doubts and i started doing that when i started teaching in colombia you know most of my students they've been asking me a lot of questions about africa and i feel like if if I didn't have the opportunity to be in Colombia, I wouldn't, or they wouldn't also have that opportunity to, to have that sort of education about my continent. So that was one of the key motivations coming here where I can get a platform to represent myself and also my country. And also, I feel like not just the monetary aspect, I've always been that person who always wants to volunteer. And I feel like, language learning or language is one of the best way we can unite the world. You know, everybody can come together. And um, talking about that, we were like almost 150 volunteers from around the world. So we had people from so many countries in Africa. We had people from Kenya, people from Cameroon, people from Ghana, people from Nigeria, people from Egypt, and we all had that peace of us that we can bring to make like, uh, something great. And, uh, there is, there is a saying, we always say in Africa, that li- little drops of water makes a mighty ocean. So when we come together, that's the strength, there's beauty and diversity. So I was also happy to be part of that. And, um, when we create that diverse picture, that's how we can unite the world. You know, there's a lot of craziness, a lot of, um, Um, division so when we come together as black people as white people of people from different backgrounds that's when we can connect you know the dots and i feel like coming to colombia has given me that platform to to a role in uniting the world or sharing my knowledge or my country with other people yeah awesome and
1: ibrahim what about you Right. So I love what both of them were saying. Actually, yes, the diversity is amazing, but I have to be honest, like I just came here because I'm, I was just traveling around. All right. I I just like to travel. I volunteer in many countries. I do many projects with different uh, organizations. And then I found an opportunity to come to South America. Actually, it was to Ecuador first. And then I taught English a little bit in Ecuador and then a friend of mine told me hey there's this opportunity in Colombia and I was like hey what the hell let's try Colombia yeah and so I came here and then I left and then I came back so it was kind of just you know spur the moment kind of thing more than anything else but to what Maxwell was saying you know yes I do get these questions you know when you're in class when you're talking to somebody new whatever You get these questions, oh, Egypt is in what continent? And where do you, what do you speak? What language, what religion, what thing? And it's being African and at the same time Arab and Muslim, you get a lot of confusion, okay? So answering these questions have like definitely a good opportunity to clarify and to engage people uh, uh, with things that they would not have learned if I was not here. So to what Maxwell was saying, I totally agree with that as well.
0: So it's awesome that this call is literally doing what Max and, and Anthony and uh, Ibrahim have said, it's bringing people together. So uh, we have Razak who's, join, who's joining us right now. He's, he, he actually did a call with me before to talk about Ghana, the year of the return, specifically to help Americans learn because black Americans, you know, we know everything, right? But I wanna make sure they're fully educated. So uh, Razak, welcome to the call. If you would do a quick introduction, of yourself and where you're from and then we'll go into the next question
4: all right all right thank you thank you man it's good it's good to be back on here man good good to meet all these other guys i mean i've never met maxwell maxwell good nice to meet you yeah man. so my name is razak razak salifu um i'm from ghana i am currently living in pasto pasto colombia it's like in the south of colombia and yeah, it's good. Good to be here.
0: All right. And so, so now, specifically talking about like the next point, right? So I asked uh, why you. Oh, well, actually, Razak, can you answer why you you came to Columbia? Uh, and then after you answer that, then we're gonna uh, go to the next question because everyone
4: said why they came, so we want to know why you came here. <laughs> I came. I came to to volunteer. I came to teach English, basically, and and I stayed. (laughs) (laughs) So with that,
0: you know, the thing that uh, I I like to ask is, what are some of the things from your home nation that you either wish was in Colombia that would help Colombia? Not make it better, because obviously you all like the country enough to be here. But what would be something from your home nation you wish that would be in this country, or something from Colombia that you would wish that people would have in in your home nation. So we're gonna start with Ibrahim, followed by uh, Razak, followed by Anthony, and then ending out with Max. So go ahead,
1: Ibrahim. Well, you know what? Uh, like you said, we all like it enough to be here. But the, if there are like a couple of things that I would I wish that were here, you know. Colombia is a beautiful country, but they do not sell it good enough. The image, the perception of this country in the world is not that good. So uh, um, we, like in Egypt, we sell kind of the tourist idea, right? Come see the pyramids, come see the temples, come for the beaches or the diving or whatever. And wherever you travel in the U.S., in Europe, in Japan, you find people selling packages to Egypt. There are pictures in the airports and stuff like that. So that's one thing I think Colombia can work on plus the infrastructure to support the increased influx of tourists that actually have been coming in over the past few years. All right, so that's one thing I would love Colombians to do. For the other part of it, Egypt, like, actually, like, here, my colleagues have said, is not just Egypt. Africa is conservative somewhat, and Egypt is even more conservative as a Muslim country, you know, majority Muslim country. So I would like to have a little bit more let's say a l- more liberal society, all right? And Colombia is a more liberal society than Egypt, you know, in terms of relationships, in terms of social taboos, in terms, even as, as, as a democracy, uh, uh, there is a lot of corruption here. There is a lot of, there are a lot of problems here, but still, when you go to Egypt, it's basically a dictatorship. It's basically a closed off kind of government, you know, and people don't really talk politics on social media and in the street because they're scared. So the kind of freedom that people enjoy here is something that we are still lacking back home
0: All right, and Razak, what about you man?
4: um I, I totally agree with Ibrahim, 100 percent man like but one thing, one thing like that I would like Colombians, colombians to, to do to do it's, it's the time management thing. I don't know I don't know about you guys <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you we are right. Know. I don't know. I mean, like back home in Ghana, we are not like, like I wouldn't say we we are we respect time one hundred percent, but but we we manage it real well, you know what I mean. But like here in Colombia, it's a different different scenario. Like I don't know if it's cultural. I don't know. I don't know if it's a cultural thing, but. <laughs> And and it's affecting me like right now. I arrived I arrived to the meeting at five p.m. I, I don't know for, for some reason. I thought, I thought the meeting was at five p.m. You know what I'm saying? And it's all good, man. And I just think that if if they could they could work on it. They could work on the time management thing. Because people would schedule meetings for like two p.m. and the meeting was at five p.m. or four p.m. And apart from parties, though, like Colombians would show up to parties. Earlier, earlier. <laughs> 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 that is also, another thing, another thing I would, I would like, to, that's here that I would like to implement back home. It's just like Ibrahim says, is have people be more open minded. Like back home, I wouldn't say people are close minded, but in the thinking, we are just a lot more conservative. People don't see what's on their mind, people are afraid to challenge leadership. You know, so just that attitude that Colombians have of being free-minded, being liberal, being ready to stay or to fight for what's wrong, you know, that's, that's one thing that I would like to have back home that, that I really like here.
1: Well, you know, if you know, I can just add something here, you know, like I... it's just like for me because because you know like in egypt in 2011 we had a revolution in 2013 we had another revolution and hey man we're still under dictatorship you know what i mean it's like it's not only social it's also political you know the fear of authority the kind of ideas the conservative society and the somewhat closed-mindedness it's just you know even after two revolutions you're still dealing with this problem and you can see that people here in south america and in colombia in particular are are more free. You know, we go out and protest, we do these things but still we don't get that kind of freedom.
0: All
3: right. And um Anthony. Yes. Okay. So, I think I agree with all the stuff the guys have said. One thing I'd like to add is about family stuff, you know. I know that's mainly about if uh, what you call it, the culture of like both countries like Ghana and Colombia we have different set of cultural systems but one thing I'll say is over here like in Colombia we have people that are matured like after university they're 28, 30, 35 and they are still living with their families but back in Ghana we don't have that kind of system sometimes even after like secondary education, you, are, you have your freedom to like leave the house and go and fight for yourself. And even after university, it's like obligatory, you must leave the home and go and find your own like life and how to start your own life, basically. And- Really? Yeah. And I actually think that gives us a lot of like advantage to grow, to grow as human beings, to grow as like adults. It gives the responsibility to take care of our own selves and make decisions from when we are young and when we start life. And that is one thing I feel like Colombians are lacking. So, because sometimes you could, you could be, be with like your colleagues, like the same age group, like Colombian. But you realize our mentality are totally different. The way we think, we kind of matured. And they talk like they just kids because they've not had that, uh, what you call it, uh, freedom. To go out to the family and like experience life themselves and like try to make decision themselves they are matured 34 30 35 and stuff but they are still receiving like helps and stuff like the, making decisions with their parents like everything they do is like in conjunction with their parents so they don't have that kind of uh, like self i don't know if i say self-awareness or like ability no, makes yeah sense. To, yeah. to to be able to make decisions the themselves. And I feel like in that aspect they are lacking a lot when they, they come into like group, especially with us. You see. And uh, okay. for the other part, the other thing I would like to implement in my country from Colombia will be like Razak said, they are open-minded, the way they are open-minded. And I, I feel that is that is from their childhood because their cultural system is a bit different from ours. I feel like right from when they're young, they give the children like the liberty to express themselves. They give them the authority to do whatever they want to do. But back in my country, we don't have that. If you are a child, and for instance, your parents receive, let's say, visitors in the house, sometimes they have to go and lock you in a room so you don't interfere with whatever they are discussing. So we feel like we are lacking that kind of, like, ability to grow up with that kind of freedom, to express ourselves, to be participative in, like, uh, what do you call it, it's argument argumenting, that, that kind of things. We don't, we, we don't have it. We're lacking it. And that is one thing Colombia has, like, over my country. I don't know. Well, Ghana is kind of multicultural. So I don't know if this applies to other parts of the, the country. But my, in my tribe particularly, it is very common in it. So it's one thing I really like to implement.
2: Yeah.
0: All right. And Max, close us out
3: (laughs) on this this question.
2: All right, man. Yeah, so I was saying it's probably because we have different cultural systems. And um, what I see differently is probably, for example, the the school system. Like we practice in Ghana, mostly like the British school system. So we have a lot of boarding school system where, you know, the students have to like, leave home and stay on campus for like four months. And they go back home only on vacations, just like the university system. But we we start from high school. So it puts some kind of confidence in you at a young age that you definitely have to leave home and fit for yourself. And in this boarding house school system, they teach you how to be a man, how to live for yourself, how to survive alone. And we have a funny, Rachel, like when you give birth to a kid, like we have a funny ritual. I don't call, I call it funny, but you know, it's something serious back home. Like uh, when they have in the naming ceremony of the kid, they have like a a machete and they hand the machete into the hand of this little kid. And that signifies that you have to work to feed the family. And they actually drop, like uh, they they dip um, the tip of their finger into alcohol and water and they treat well, yeah. it on the lip of the kid. And that signifies that you have to be able to tell um, the truth difference between the truth and the lie, right? So these are all like cultural awareness that people get at, 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 at a younger age, and we grow up with it. And I feel like Colombia, what they can also learn from us a bit is they should be more open to the world. I mean, in terms of language learning, you know? I think they are so so um, nucleated when it comes to um, language learning, and looking at their geographical location, um, being very close to the U.S. and Canada, they have a very good opportunity to 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 develop when they can um, be bilingual or something like that. Like in Africa, for instance, especially in Ghana, we have like almost more than fifty tribes, and each of these tribes are different. We, like, I'm from Ghana, but I can speak, like, four different languages in the same country. And this is because, like, if I'm moving from my my, my tribe to a different department, I have to speak the other tribe. And I think it's because in South America, most of the countries here are Spanish-speaking, so they don't have that kind of urgency to, to learn a different language, you know? So, and that's, like, a very big break. Um, challenge, especially for English teachers here in South America. They don't have that kind of openness to receive um, something new like language learning, you know, Um, just being specific. And also, one problem we have, I mean, traveling from Africa to South America, you don't find like direct flights, you know. It's not like a regular route for all these airlines. So sometimes you got to transit through Europe from, like when I was coming to Colombia, I had to fly from. Accra to morocco i had a transit from morocco to brazil and i actually took another flight from brazil to colombia and that took like almost 18 hours you know wow well, that's like a long flight so yeah man i think they should be very open They should be structures like that they can connect with all the continents i know probably they don't have africa on the map but it's something they can also look out for and they can learn from 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 us too and, so what
0: would you would you think bring back? Um uh, sorry? What would you bring back? What would you take from Colombia to, to uh to Ghana?
2: Uh to from Colombia to Ghana, I feel like it's the same family idea, you know, that kind of love they, they they share with their family, you know. Like my brothers were saying, we we grew up with that fear. Uh I don't know if it's uh it's a black thing, but you know, we we grew up with that fear for our parents, like when, when your mom or your dad is coming back from work, you got to run away and hide, or you got to get something doing, you got to get your hands doing something. Like we always get to like sit on the same table with them. They don't give us that chance to talk to them one-on-one. But I feel like Colombia has that kind of, that kind of, you know, leverage with their kids. And they can have arguments. They can, I see like Colombians family like going to the mall every Sunday, Right from the grandma to the um, the least person in the family, always being together in the malls. And I don't see that back home. Right, there's a lot of you know divisions, and you know we grow up with that kind of fear for our, especially our dads, and because they always want to scold us, they always want to put us to to one corner. You know, so we always have that kind of fear. So that's one thing I would take back home: that kind of family love and that kind of affection we can share within our family.
0: You know, a cool thing that uh, you all have all brought up is about relationships, right? So you've all talked about relationships. And so uh, I think a, an important question that we all can focus on is what has your experience been like building relationships here in Colombia, and compared to the relationships you have in, in your home country? Like, have you maintained the relationships in your home country? What is it you say? How do you communicate? What do they ask you from home? And then how have you used... Who you are to build relationships where you are. So we'll 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 start with Anthony, and then we'll go Ibrahim, uh, Max, and then Razak. You'll be last. So uh, Anthony, start us off. Like, how have you built relationships home and here, and like, how has that sort of shaped you? And then, like, what do people back home want to know?
3: Okay, <laughs> that's that's a good question. So so in terms of relationship, I I really think. Like, Colombia in my country, Ghana, are pretty much different. Like, there's a lot of different, uh, different stuff between the countries. For instance, back home, we have, like, a very conservative system of, like, building relationships. For instance, if you like someone you propose, or in the past, in the olden days, you have to tell maybe your parents, that, okay, I'm, I, I, I saw this lady, and I love this lady, and maybe I'd like to, like... Getting hand in marriage and stuff, and your family needs to go and make like background research.
0: Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because now, whoa! Now, okay, gonna, okay, I have a question. So fine, you, you, yeah. you you don't you don't date people first, like you don't casually know people. You gotta go straight into it. I'm just curious. I, mean, no. I know I, you know. I, I'm just I, saying, but I'm just curious
3: about that. Yeah, I'll, I'll come back to it. I'm, I'm driving to that direction. Okay. So, like that's that's what happened, like in the olden days. Like if you if you if you find someone on the streets or maybe like in a workplace or wherever and you like the person, you have to first like tell your parents that okay, I found this lady and I like the lady and maybe if you go and do some background research about the lady. So your parents will first go and do that, like do some research about the family of the girl. And if everything is okay, then they'll go to the family and like introduce themselves and what their motives are. That was the only day, but nowadays, like we kind of do our own stuff on the street. So you get if you find a girl you like, the girl just propose to the girl. But we still have that kind of conservative system, and the girls are not really open. Like in my country, you can't just like propose to a girl. For instance, like in Colombia, and maybe after one weekend stuff, you we start having some like love affairs and stuff. It's it's pretty much difficult back home compared to Colombia. Yeah. And, uh, wow yeah so with that with that mentality like trying to emerge myself into colombia at the beginning was pretty much difficult for me because here they have like different understanding of how to start a relationship and how to build a relationship back home if you propose to someone like you like someone you study the person for some while and propose okay i want you to be my girlfriend i want us to be in a relationship and stuff then everything is understood. You proceed like that. But if you come to Colombia, it's, it's it's a bit diff, uh, different. Like you need to go out, go on a date like many times. And they they actually for if you come to let's say the romantic part, they are they are quick to jump into it. Like than in my country, in my country it's other way wise. You have to be patient. You can't just force the girl in me after a few days. Or a few days. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you start like talking about sex and stuff. It's 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 a bit weird. Yeah, include, you go in stages. <laughs> 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 yeah, true, it man. could be right right away. So at the beginning, I was I was really finding it difficult to like coordinate the two the two like cultures. I I met few girls and I was kind of like a bit reluctant to. Like driving straight to like romantic stuff, but they were like much eager for us to start everything like right right away, and it was a bit difficult for me. But with time, I just have to like adjust and like fix myself into the system. So basically, that is that is how it is. That's how it is. That's
0: interesting, uh, Ibrahim, <laughs> What about you, man? No, man. What's man, interesting about I've never that? Heard well i'm american oh, yeah. so we 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 don't
1: we don't do yeah, that uh-huh.
0: that's like uh, i'm gonna let you right, <laughs> <sure>. go
1: well <laughs> you know what uh, i have to tell you like i've been listening from the beginning like when they were talking about uh, uh, all the social constructs like in ghana and, and everything and it's very very different from what we have in egypt all right, right? so so in egypt it's kind of more like yeah you you meet somebody and at university at a coffee shop whatever and you date and then uh, uh, it goes from there, you know. It progresses like right. in, in many different places. But in Egypt, like society as a society, you know, premarital sex is frowned upon, right? So, so if you're gonna do that, you gotta hide it, right? <laughs> <You> don't <laughs> let people know that that's what you do, <laughs> okay? Because if the girl, if if it's common knowledge that this girl is having premarital sex, then that's a problem for her, for her family. It's kind of right. wrong, right? So that's a problem. But, but other than that, the, like the social construct of dating is there. You know, you don't, you don't go straight up to, to the marriage point. But if you are a conservative family, if you are a religious family, the father will not allow his daughter to date. She will date behind his back. That's another story. But, <laughs> but, but officially, like, you know, it cannot happen until you actually go talk to the dad and you're kind of engaged. And then you are free to socially acceptable, you know, dates go out, nobody will tell you anything. But that's the more conservative. The majority of people now, you will just meet somebody at the university, at a work, at a coffee shop, whatever, and you're just going to date for, for some time and then talk it out, you know, whether you want to get engaged or married or whatever. And like I said, the premarital sex part is frowned upon. But I guess the so- whole social construct of relationships even family relationships you know father uh, son or father daughter or whatever is different because like when they were like talking you know about their own social construct, you know the tribes the coming of age ritual with like the machete or something like that we we don't have any of that wow. right we are more like here you know families live together they're going to go to the mall together they're going to go on vacation together you know so so, and you stay living in your parents' house until you get married. it is not normal it is not yet the the accepted kind of thing in Egypt that you move out of your parents' house when you're eighteen or nineteen. you know you only move out of your parents' house if you get a job in another city or you get married. if you're living in the same city with your parents, you are definitely living with your parents Really you know what I mean
0: really yeah. I know um, that's that's pretty serious all right yeah yeah, yeah. it's not
1: normal for 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 Kids to move out of their parents' house unless they're married or they're going to another city, you know, <laughs> other than that, you're living with your parents.
2: I, I West- think, like, I feel like it's more like a West African thing, you know.
1: Yeah, I, yeah.
2: I, I, I believe that too, you know. Yeah, and, and you uh, know, Finn, Finn from Nigeria can talk about that too in the countries. <laughs> yeah. You know, Nigeria is also a West African country, so yeah. so,
1: so for us, you know, it's like. Yeah more uh, uh, conservative in some parts, but more, I guess, open in other parts. So that's why I'm saying, like, the social construct uh-huh. in Egypt is, is different than West African country or or, or or even Central African countries. We are, in this case, culturally speaking, socially speaking, we are more Middle Eastern or Arab rather than African. Okay. Does okay. that
0: make sense Yeah. No, it does. It makes total mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. All right. That, that's interesting. I,
2: well, but, but geographically, in Africa. you're African, you know?
0: No, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely.
2: Because, you know, Egypt is like, they, they've been categorized as Africans, you know, geographically. Well, yeah, well, they're they, they 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 on definitely. the continent. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and,
1: and I'll tell you what, you know, like Egypt, like like the Arab, uh, uh, um, what I call it, the Arab invasion of Africa from, from, from what is now Saudi Arabia into Egypt happened around 650 AD. So for about six, 7,000 years before that, it has been 100% African, you know, culturally, socially, and, and everything. Like even if yeah. you look at some of those Pharaoh statues, they look more black than brown, you know what I mean? Right. Like, like right now I am I am brown, which is another thing, you know, like a lot of people would look at Africa and say, well, Africa is just like, like African-Americans would say like all Africa is black, but no. Africa is not all black. There are brown people, there are black right, people, right. there are white people in South Africa. In you know South I mean? Africa, yeah, that's true. So in Africa Zimbabwe, is, yeah. In Zimbabwe, like, right. So it's super diverse. Like, you cannot really categorize it socially, racially, or, or in, put it in one box in any case, right? So, so after the 650 AD, after the Arab invasion of North Africa, Egypt beca- began moving socially, culturally, towards the, the Muslim Arab culture more than... It's
0: more African roots. That makes sense. I yeah. mean, I, I studied, I studied th- Africa for some. Go ahead, Max. I think you were talking, right?
3: Yeah, I, I, I want to add one thing. Like, <laughs> there's, there's just one thing I, I remember about the relationship stuff. So, for instance, back home, if let's say you are in a university and you you are a guy and you have a girlfriend, actually, you are not permitted to. It's not like you're not permitted, but because of our cultural limitations, you don't have that conscience to bring a girl to the house.
1: Really? Like, no, definitely
3: not. Seriously, <laughs> really? You can't do that. Nah, you're you not be. gonna do that. Nah. <laughs> <You can't laughs> yeah. And and what's worse, worse of all to be like a lady bringing your boyfriend to the house is 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 totally forbidden. You can't do that. But if you come if you come back to Colombia, it's something like very normal. I I I dated like some girl back like some years ago and the, the first thing, the girls like, oh, okay, vamos a mi casa. I was like, holy shit, what is that? <laughs> Dude, I understand. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah understand.
4: You have to sneak, sneak into the girls' house. <laughs> uh, getting married
3: you, don't, you don't even go to the girls' house, bro. What you gonna do there?
4: <laughs> uh, you, prob- you, have, you probably have to outside of her house in front of her house or two yeah. blocks away and call her, you meet, you meet. Her. If she has, the no brother, just,
1: the brother no, has a brother, you just see you know, <laughs> you don't do
2: that.
1: Don't. That would be possible in Egypt as well.
3: Yeah. Whoa, okay. <laughs> okay. okay. But, but, yeah. uh, like, you have that kind of liberty, like for girls to just bring out their, their guys to their home. And even the first time I arrived in Pasto, like our mentor, we we went to visit the mentor and she was she was there with her her daughter and all of a sudden she just said something oh my daughter is going out with a boyfriend right now I so was like what the fuck <laughs>
0: <laughs> man well it, it, it's funny because based on what you all are saying and then uh, Razak you pick up and then. uh, uh, then yeah, and then we'll, we'll we'll introduce Fiend into the conversation. So I I, yeah. you, I know you have a different situation than, than everyone, anyway, So uh, what about you? What what is um uh, what about building relationships here for you, man? What, what, what's your take on it? Oh, and Max, I, I didn't mean to skip Max too. Max too. I didn't mean to skip you, Max. Max, you're after Razak. Okay. okay. Cool. Um,
2: building
4: building relationships out here has been has been difficult. I'm also, I'm also just because of the cultural differences. So, like for me, for me out here, it, it has been tough till till I met till I, till I met my lady. Cause you would you meet you would meet ladies, and all they just want is just something casual. And like coming from Ghana, like my mindset about relationships is something serious. Like I don't go into this just. Be casual, you know what I mean? But then you meet someone, and that's why I say just cultural differences, because you meet someone for the first time, you yeah, you, you put your all into it, and this person just like, no, bro, like slow down, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and then and then it also works, it also works on both sides, both sides, because sometimes ladies, ladies here, like, Building relationships with ladies here can be so difficult because they become they become a bit too clingy, you know what I mean? And and that that also that also just cares, just scares me, me in particular, in some cases, because for me, I have to build something with you, like I have to build, build the relationship with you. But if if it's the first date and you know things are happening already, I'm like, okay. You know, know, but then, but then also the difference, the difference between the the that I've had here and back home. Out here people, people don't hide, don't hide Mm -hmm. their feelings, like they tell you, they tell you what they want from the beginning. But back home you'd probably meet a girl instead of the girl just telling you I'm just in it. For the sex, she, she just pulls you. She makes you struggle, struggle to win, to win her love, her so-called love. And, and then after two days, she just dumps you, you know, but then <laughs> she, yeah, or, or she goes, yeah, or, or she realizes you are not rich enough. And, like it happens, but not yet. Like girls tell you from the beginning, like what they want and what they don't, you know? So that's that is the difference in the experience me.
2: And Max, what what about you? Man, for me, it's been it's been easy, like for real, because I feel like um, that that kind of foreign touch that I bring here is what actually attracts them, you know, like for me, I would say my problem initially was probably the language barrier. I couldn't speak Spanish, so it was a bit difficult to get into, like, a conversation with, with, with a Colombian girl or with anybody I meet here. But, you know, I took it upon myself to, like, study the language, you know? I mean, study their customs, how, how to pick up a girl here. But, I mean, not to even go into that. But for me, building relationships in general wasn't or hasn't been that difficult for me, and especially my profession here in Colombia. They always want to know you right? And I think they cherish teachers. They love, I mean, teaching profession. So they always want to have a conversation with you and they always want to get to know you. And what my friends from Ghana were talking about, I mean, the family accepting the kind of lady you getting into that relationship. I think it all boils to the fact that they always want to define the kind of relationship you're going in. And no parent wants like the daughter to be just played around with, you know, they want to have like a good, good husband for the kid. Cause you know, marriage is like a big thing in Africa. Like, I don't know if you've seen some African marriage videos from Nigeria, or from Ghana, like they don't joke with it. It's like an institute, like a whole institution back home. So all these parents, they're a bit protective of their daughters and they don't want, you know, people to just come around and play with your daughters like that. So they always want to, build that kind of protective cover around the daughters. That's why you're very, very protective when it comes to that. But for me, building a relationship in Colombia in general, it's been a bit easier. And, you know, they have this mentality or this perception about Black people being able to dance, you know. So, like, whenever I walk into a bar, I go to the club. Like, <laughs> I, start I have people like ladies just giving me a hand to dance. And that's where I build up from. And you know, like that's like we'll leave that for another conversation. But you know, that's what <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, you know. That, that, I I get into that, the uh, entertainment uh, stuff, and they get to know me, and I just build up the relationship from there. So the only problem I had initially was the language barrier, which is the Spanish, so I can communicate with them and get to know what they like, what they don't like. Taking them out on a day, or we going on the cinema, up to the cinema, or we going somewhere like uh, hiking on the weekends or something like that's what and i i studied what these girls like because it's different back home like they were saying like back home a lady if you're dating a lady you need to have something like materially materialistic um speaking You, you need to own a car you need to have like um i mean you need to be economically i mean sound you know or you're not gonna get like the kind of lady you want but here if i feel like it's more like they show the love, like they don't care what you have. Like, I mean, some ladies will actually consider that, but I mean, if, 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 if they love you, they love you. It's not about what you have or where you're from. It's just that kind of vibe or that kind of energy you bring. And they probably like want to feed off the energy you come along with. And for me, that's been my relationship. Like I go with different um type of energy and, they they just vibe with that energy i come with and that's how i build my relationship yeah
0: okay so we need to take a pause that's the end of part one come back check us out for part two